Hi, welcome to KED Night Talk, and today we're going to be discussing pages 23 to 65 of our book, Night. I'm Nelthy. I'm Krista. I'm Emily. So, a recap of the book, of the pages that we recently read, is basically Ellie arriving at the first camp. It, it was his transportation in the cattle car, and then arriving at his first camp, and basically just his experience in like the processing stage and the first couple of weeks at switching different camps. And with that, we're going to start off with our first question. Why do you think on page 34, Ellie started reciting Kiddush, even when he said he didn't see the use in doing so on the previous page? Personally, I think people pray at times like that as like almost a coping mechanism. They find comfort in seeking help and guidance from whatever or whoever they believe in. So reciting Kiddush, even though he believed it was like dumb and use useless before, in that like heat of the moment, he felt like it was necessary to do. Yeah, because like even though he might not think currently like, oh, that's stupid. Why would I do that? I don't believe in that. But it was like instilled in him from a young age too. So I think like when you're in times of need, you often like go back to like what your parents have taught you, and you, especially because he was only fifteen. So he wasn't a grown-up yet, he's still a kid. So he just, he started reciting Kiddush because he, like, he lost his hope and he had no one else to turn to, so he turned to, like, his gods. Um, I completely agree with both of you. Um, at first he's mad at God, and in his final moments he needed, um, God to save him. So he started to pray, and when he was, like, going to leave the world, he wanted to say his final goodbye. Um... However, like, when you think that you're about to die, sometimes they act in different ways that you might expect, um, might not expect them to. That's why he said he didn't see the use in doing so, and now he's praying. And to back up what I'm saying, according to page 34, it says, Deep down, I'm saying goodbye to my father, to the whole universe, and against my will. I think that Ali just wanted to pray and thank God before he died. So, um, why was it that the younger men were pushing to revolt against the Germans, but the older men were keen on following the set of rules in place? Um, basically, I feel like the younger men were just, they, they're obviously stronger, they have, like, more physical body strength, and, but also that the older men are wiser. So, they feel like they should just follow, follow these rules, and they'll be able to get through it alive. But if they do revolt, they know they're, like, greatly outnumbered, so their chances of survival are slim, and they would probably die right on the spot. I agree with the word wise, because, like, wise is the absolutely, like, perfect way, like, because the older men, like, know. They're, I feel like they're more keen to, like, thinking, um, how are they going to survive this? And I feel like younger generations, like, we're more in, like, the heat of the moment. Like, the second this happens, like, we want to fight against them, but they know, like, they just lost hope, and since they're, like, old, like, they know, like, what's gonna happen, I feel like, in a more realistic perspective than what the younger men are, uh, per thinking about doing. Um, I agree, um, with wise and also being brave. 
because I think older people want more stability in their lives and they are they take less risks whereas the young people they want to take more risks and they're more vocal and brave for example if you look on the news today and the pro uh, for the protest you see that um they mostly consist of like younger adults and you rarely see any older people out there yeah so Many people today are protesting and standing up for what they believe in. If you were one of the inmates in Auschwitz, would you revolt against the Nazis like the inmates were thinking about doing on page 31, the same way that we are protesting in our present moment? For me, I think it's easier for us to say now, to say like, yes, I would have stood up for the Nazis because it's the right thing to do. However, when you're living in that horrific time, I'm not so sure. What I would have done, maybe I would be like too afraid to stand up or maybe I would have been brave. I don't really know. Um, right now, I probably wouldn't have stood up to the Nazis because I knew that they probably would have killed me um, when I could have had the chance for liberation. I kind of see it in like a different way. I feel like most people would want to say they wouldn't stand up to the Nazis because if you did, you would be putting everyone else at risk. Like not only are like, if you, not like if you um stand up to them you're like putting the people that you love at risk as well and i i'm kind of like embarrassed to admit but i get really fired up in like the heat of the moment and i feel like i would have lashed out i would have um done something dumb probably and regretted it like 2 seconds later but at that time i might have done something um i don't think i would have just because like you said like Everyone in your group, they basically said that, like, everyone you're, like, grouped with, it depends, you depend on each other. Because if one person falls out of line, they, they said it themselves, they would shoot all of them like, like they were dogs. So, I feel like I wouldn't be as worried as much for, like, my safety, because, like, if I was in that, I would be like, okay, I'm gonna die already, like, what's the point? But, um, since it was, like, other people's lives, I wouldn't want to have their lives, like, that guilt on me if they were to, um, if they were to get killed because I did stand up to the Nazis, so, no, I don't think I would have. Um, I like, um, like, both of your points, like, putting others at risk, because you can't always, like, think, oh, I'm gonna just, just only focus on yourself, you also have to focus on who else you're harming, so I also agree, and I, like, I understand those, both of those points. Mm-hmm. Um, without much time to think, would you have chosen to stand out or, like, blend in as much as you could with the other prisoners? I feel like this is, like, a personality kind of question. Without giving much thought, I think my, like, mindset would be to, like, stand out. Like, I would try to seem, like, the strongest person there to, like, seem the most, like, okay, I kind of want this person, like, to do this. And I'd try to seem, like, useful, but after reading this, I kind of realized, like, that's probably not the best idea, because Ellie and his dad were, like, trying to blend in instead. So, I feel like the more, like, outgoing and, like, prominent and, like, dominant you are, like, you want to stand out. And for people who want to blend in as much, I feel like they think things more through. Yeah. Um... I disagree. I would choose to blend in as much as I can because if you stand out, you're more clearly noticed if you make a mistake. And if you blend in and you make a mistake, it might be harder for the Nazis to notice you and punish you. 
Yeah, because, um, so, like, I get wanting to stand out because you, your mate's seen as useful, like, you tell them you have a specific trade, so then you may be able to live longer, but still, I feel like the Nazis, that's why they, they tattoo them, and they shave them, and they put them in the same clothes, because they don't want them to seem like individuals, they don't want them to seem like humans, they want them to be, like, the same thing, all grouped together, I feel like it would be more useful in the situation to blend in, just because they're not looking for individuals. They're definitely, sorry. Yeah. They're definitely trying to take away their um, individuality. It's just, for me, like, my first reaction is to, like, stand out for some reason. Like, when they, like, were talking about, like, blending in or standing out, I was, like, reading the book, and I was, like, hmm, I think I'd stand out, and then I read, like, the more, and I was, like, if you stand out, you're gonna get, like, killed or punished in, like, a really bad way, and I was, like, wow, because, like, it just made me think, like, if I was there at that time, I probably wouldn't have survived very long. <laughs> I, like, yeah, tried. I think, like you said, mm-hmm. it definitely comes down to a personality thing. Yeah. And, like, how extroverted you are, how comfortable you are. That's a good point, like what Emily said with the individuality, um, like how they were all put, put like, with the same clothes and tattooed, and they were all kind of trying to be all the same. So that's a really interesting point, too. Um, so Ellie describes in detail the frequent beatings they all endured. Why do you think that the officers had so much anger with him? Were they trying to do so? Did they gain pleasure from this? Um, any other ideas? So my thinking on this is that they, I feel like, yes, they were trying to do so because they want the, they want the, the prisoners to basically, like, do anything they say. And that, they have to have fear. And fear comes from the beatings that they give them, the harsh blows, everything. So I feel like they were trying to do so. But also, I feel like some of them do gain pleasure from it, which is, like, oddly weird. But then, like, I think of, like, their violent nature. So... Yes, both. I agree. I think it was a mixture of both because they had to follow the rules. Like at the start of the third week, Ellie's blockaster was um, removed because he was judged too humane. Um, they also had to follow the rules like, or else there's consequences. However, I think that the Nazis also have um, a pleas of harming the, um, the inmates as hurting them makes the Nazis sound more powerful and I think it makes them show a symbol of fear for the inmates. I feel like a lot of people, like, perceive, like, villains in history, like, Nazis as, like, almost, like, two-dimensional, like, they're just evil, but, like, there are, like, reasonings behind it. I'm not saying that they're right for doing it, but they have, like, their reasons, too. Like, no one just wakes up and is like, I'm gonna, like, put down an entire race for fun, you know? Like, um, beating them up was, like, their way of, like, coping, because of how, like, Emily brought up uh, in the last podcast how Germany was in, like, a really bad, like, financial situation. So people want someone to blame on, you know? And, like, people thrive off of, like, violence and drama. Like, everyone's, like, somewhat drawn to it. And it's, like, part of our human nature. So they gained pleasure from uh, hurting these people. Definitely. And you have to also take into consideration their past traumas because they are also individuals and, like, you don't know what happened to them. So I feel like it's just, it's an authority standpoint. Like, they want to seem 
like big and bad they want they want to seem like so powerful and plus like hitler the leader of their country is basically telling them like oh these are these are the like Naki said these are like the people that are that you should blame for the mm-hmm. downfall of germany so we have to get rid of them so they, they just like project all that anger towards them no matter like if they didn't do anything specifically to the officers that's a good point, like, to look at the, like, past traumas, because you don't exactly know what's going through, like, the Nazis' heads or what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, so, on page 26, many Jews on the Calicar were physically harming Miss Shafter. Would she have done the same if it could have ended her screaming? Um, for me, no. I don't think that I would have, because I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, you shouldn't harm someone on purpose, especially when everyone's having a really hard time. But I do understand that in the desperate moments, people also do desperate things, and that's what the Jews did here. When you're in um, extreme survival, like um, there are sometimes people, people sometimes make irrational decisions. So, yeah, and it definitely, like, also um, depends on, like, coming back to the point where they were worried about their own safety. Because if, like, a woman was screaming in their car, the officers might have heard, and they might have come over and, like, shoot them all for not, for not like, keeping her quiet, you know? Because you know how, like, violent they get and how, how mad they get so easily with anything. So her screaming was, like, was, like, really detrimental to their, um, to their well-being. But I don't think I would have physically harmed her but if someone else were to be doing it to make her stop I also don't know if I would have stopped them you know yeah I feel like um the soldier point was like a really good one like I didn't even think about like the soldiers being upset by like hearing her scream I feel like it would have really gotten to them and I like I remember when they said if one of you guys are missing like we're gonna kill all of you and if she was, like, screaming, I feel like they would have, like, had that same mindset and, like, punished them all. And I can, like, when I was reading it, I, like, imagined, like, that scream. Like, thank God I've, like, never heard a scream like that in my entire life. Like, I've only heard it in, like, a movie or, like, a TV show. But, like, to hear that in, like, real life, like, that, like, that certain type of scream with that kind of, like, aspect to it, that it's, like, an absolute emergency and the person's in pain is, like, heart-wrenching, and I can, like, see why it, like, bothered them so much to the point where they hurt her, but I don't think I could hurt her. I, I'm not a very physical person, like, I don't want to, like, bring physical harm to anyone, but if people were, like, hurting her, I don't think I would have stepped in. I feel like I would have just, like, stayed in the dark and not say anything. Especially because, like, they said she's kind of, like, an old lady, I feel like I would have just felt really bad, but then at the same time, like, what could I have done to stop them from hitting her? And then they would have probably hurt me as well. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's, like, both sides when you think about it. Like, you don't want to, like, hurt someone, but if it's, like, for your own safety and knowing that, like, the Nazis might do something to you, you don't exactly know what you would have done. Right, it's kind of necessary at that point. Yeah. I think at that moment, I might have, like, comforted her kid because her kid was like bawling like just bawling and bawling because like I mean I don't know what kind of trauma that would like inflict on him to see his mom get beaten for like 
having like a lot of like mental like trauma being like impacted into her brain to the point where she's like breaking down in front of everyone screaming but I think yeah. at that moment I would have just like at least held the kid and like comforted him in some way because that's like a lot to take in especially at such a young age yeah yeah um on page 53 Ellie mentions meeting the French woman again I was thinking about the odds of meeting her again and it led me to ask do you believe in fate or destiny because I was just thinking and I was like wow to see her again like alive and like well and like at like a bus stop of all places I like I'm very 50 50 on fate and destiny I feel like I could be pushed either way at like all given moments do you guys believe in fate and destiny well like it's just so it's just so like so strange like what are the chances because they after the concentration camps most of them said that they weren't staying there so like you know you don't know where they all migrated to like Mm -hmm. some of them probably even went to america you don't know and there's like multitude of different countries in europe so i feel like at the same train station in the same country it has to be some sort of fate or destiny that brought them together because like i just don't see like how else that could have happened um i believe in both i think that some things happen in our lives because of fate and i think that we make our own destiny with our choices that we make in our daily lives um for example my parents met in machu picchu and i thought that was fate um but i think it was destiny that brought us to las vegas because of the choices that my parents made i think that's like a really good way to approach that yeah like the way you decide like you choose your own destiny because you do like i don't think your life is planned for you before you start it like you obviously make choices that lead you to where you are so then like yeah you do make your own destiny but like fate happens to like come along along the way um whilst the bombings are happening a man stuck his head into a boiling pot of soup why do you think he did this when the rest of them were hopeful for liberation i don't i honestly like i don't know why he did this no one will ever know why he did this but like to my understanding he was just so fed up with what was happening in the camp and he couldn't take it any longer but I just, like, I don't understand why he did it, even though, like, the bombings were happening, you know, because they were all hopeful that they were going to get liberated, and then he, like, he basically killed himself by doing this, so it's just, it's very, um, it's not confusing to me, it's just, like, why, what was his, like, mindset, you know? Um, well, I don't think we, we don't really know how the inmates were exactly feeling during that time. But I think in this example, the man would rather end his life than having to live a life tortured by the Nazis. I think there are many people that think positively and negatively in situations. The positive people were probably focusing on the day of liberation when this would all be over, while the other prisoners would rather die than have to live the life that they're in. I think him dying is kind of like the last like shred of like hope that they can like hold on to was like destroyed because like seeing him like I think he was like crawling I believe to like the soup to see him like crawl and like desperation and stuff just for like 
you know, probably out of hunger and stuff, seeing that was, like, everyone, like, watching that was, like, wow, like, he's so brave and stuff, and they were jealous, and I feel like that was, like, something that brought them, like, hope, but to see him do that, it was kind of, like, taking that and just ripping it up into a million pieces. Yeah, I like how you brought up positive and negative mindsets, Krista. I feel like that did play a large role in this because the strong, like the inmates said it themselves, the strong make it through and the weak don't. So it's really, it was really up to them whether they would like keep pushing if they were like obviously still alive and hadn't been taken to the crematory, if they would have keep kept pushing or just given up and focused on like all of the dread in their life, which was easy to do. Because there was an immense amount of dread in their life. Yeah. And I also agree with, like, Um, I think um, you need hope in these situations, like, especially how they're, like, living right now. And I think that this man just kind of just lost hope. Mm-hmm. So, on page 44, Ellie lied, uh, lied when he told Stein that his family's doing fine. If you were an inmate in Auschwitz, would you rather hear the truth that your family's not doing so well? Or would you rather think that everything is fine? Well, according to the text, Stein said, the only thing that kept me alive, that keeps me alive, he said, he kept saying, is to know that Rigel and the little ones are still alive. Were it not for them, I would give up. I would rather think that everything is fine because knowing that my family's not doing very well will just make me feel very sad and incapable of surviving. But knowing that my family's doing well, even though maybe they are not, it'll, it'll help me keep my hope and give me some happiness during these dark times. I feel like I'd want to know the truth, even though it would, like, crush, like, the last of me. Because if my family was like, non-existent, and I was in Auschwitz, like, I don't think that I could carry on, even after, like, going through the ordeal of, like, being in a concentration camp like that, to, like, not be able to go home with, like, my family, like, to be led the entire time and, like, push just to find out that they're not there, I feel like that would be worse to me personally than, like, no, like, you know what I mean? Than like thinking that they're um, not there, already knowing that. I would want to know the truth too because I like to think I have like a strong mindset. So I don't really think like I want to know the truth because I don't want false hope. Like I don't need false hope to keep me going. Like if my family weren't alive, I would want to know in that point. So I wasn't like looking forward to something that was non-existent. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't going to try and find them after I got out. And I, and I wouldn't want to be worried about, I feel like I would be more relieved if they had died because I don't want to worry about them in concentration camps and like their life being so miserable. So like knowing that they came to peace, I feel like I would have had, I would have had more peace within myself. No, that, that's true, though, because, like, you shouldn't lie, and you need to know, like, exactly, like, if your family's doing okay, if they're not. And I also agree, like, what you said, Emily, that um, I just think that I agree, sorry, I agree with you because um, I think that maybe in that situation, um, it would be better to know that maybe your family isn't, to know that um, sh- they aren't 
um, like, they aren't going through that pain anymore. I don't know. No, I, I can, like, see definitely what you're, like, trying to, like, go, go to, because if you thought that they were alive, like, you'd be, like, asking, like, everyone, everywhere, like, at all times, like, have you seen my son, have you seen my daughter, how about my wife, you know, and at the same time, I feel like at some point, they'd, like, know that you were lying, if you were to say, like, oh, yeah, your wife, your daughter, and your son is, like, okay, and, like, you can't give details, like, they'd know, and that would just crush them way more than just telling them the truth. Right, and you'd be worried about their survival the whole time when you really need to be focusing on yourself. So, I don't know, I feel like it'd just be easier, personally, for me to know that they they had gone to rest and, like, there's nothing else I can do about it, but at least, like, I'm still here and I could still, like, live for them. So, um, how's everyone liking the book so far? Um, I'm, I like the book a lot. I feel like I never really got, like, a memoir from what happened, like, all the horrors that happened inside. Like, it's all fictional, or, like, I've watched movies and, like, read articles, but I never got to read a memoir. So this is, like, very, like, eye-opening to me, because now I can, like, see what's, like, happening in, like, a different form of literature. Yeah, I read a memoir, but it was, like, um, it was a different, it was at a different level. Like, he didn't go as into depth as the horrors that happened. So, like, same with me. I didn't I didn't know. Like, obviously, I could, like, imagine and, like, predict what could have happened. But hearing him, like, describe firsthand, like, uncensored what he actually went through is definitely an eye-opener. And, like, it just it just makes you realize. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a useful book to have read. Um, I like this book. Um, you can see, like, you can see how, like, his perspective on this, on, like, his, like, his story and, like, how, um, how he was living and everything like that. And it makes you just want to feel empathy for them and, like, that horrific experience they were, they were going through is just really sad. Yeah, I feel like, um, what Emily said, the uncensored thing, like, I feel like we're really getting the raw emotion because he, like, very clearly remembers what happened because, you know, like, that saying that, like, um, emotions are tied with, like, no, memories are tied with emotions, like, you remember things better with however, like, strong you were feeling certain emotion, like, the way he clearly, like, describes what happened in such a, like, raw, like, untouched, um, way, I think is, like, a really good way to portray, like, a book and tell a story. Yeah, and, like, the fact that he remembers, like, like how he was describing when he walked in on his officer when he wasn't supposed to, and then he got, like, he, like, remembered the amount of blows that got to him, and he mm-hmm. remembered that he fainted, and, like, that just shows you how strong his emotion was at the time that he actually remembered, like, in that situation, how many times they hit him. Yeah. And with that, I guess that's the end of episode two of KED Night. Thanks for listening.